My name is Ryan McIntyre. I'm the president of Mavericks Metals, which is a precious metals royalty and streaming company. We have 148 royalties and streams today, 14 of which are currently paying. Uh, we expect revenue of 2022 of approximately 50 million US dollars at 90% gross cash margin. And we're dual listed on both the Toronto and New York stock exchanges under the symbol MMX. Uh, good to have you back, Ryan. Um, in fact, really quite timely, actually. Um, there's been a lot, a bit of action in the marketplace. Um, equities are a bit quiet, not a bad time for royalty companies. Uh, and you've done a, quite a big deal with um, Barrick Gold. Who knew they needed money? Um, can you tell us about the deal structure, first of all? Yeah. No, so about a month or so ago, we announced the transaction with Barrick to acquire 22 royalties from them. Uh, in exchange for $50 million. So pretty straightforward transaction uh, from that standpoint. And uh, the good thing for us is that, you know, we are focused on gold royalties and streams. And this was a package of multi-million ounce uh, gold projects. So perfect fit with our strategy. Right. Okay. But it, it got a, it's, there's, a, there's a few other moving parts in there. Skeena, for instance. We can, we can tell us about that component. <laughs> yeah, the flagship royalty in that 22 royalty package was the 1% royalty on Skeena Resources' SK Creek project. And so they just released a feasibility study recently on an open pit mine in British Columbia, Canada, uh, that could produce about 350,000 ounces of gold a year uh, for nine years based on current reserve life. But there's plenty more beyond that, just based on what we see. And so if you look at that, that would add by itself 10% uh, to our existing revenue base. Uh, but it is worth noting that actually in between us announcing and closing the deal, uh, Skeena actually bought back half of that royalty uh, for $17.5 million Canadian dollars. So basically a quarter or so of the purchase price for the Barrick royalty portfolio already got paid back to us. Yeah, yeah we actually uh, we spoke to them this morning, would you believe they're in Singapore as we speak and then heading off to Australia. Um, tell me about the, the construct of that. I kind of made a you know, slight, slight glib comment there with regards to you know, who knew Barrick needed the capital, but why would they need to offload this? Um, is it, was it, does it come down to sort of cleaning up of house? Is it kind of, well, actually, is a good cost of capital for them in terms of being able to utilize this somewhere else? I mean, what, what do you put it down to? Yeah, I think it's probably a few different things. Probably the biggest thing is that it's just a non-core piece of their business. So this is actually the ninth royalty portfolio we've purchased. So that, and that's how we got our big shareholders like Newmont, Pan American Silver, Goldfields at one point, Kinross, is that they basically accumulate these package of royalties and really just doing exploration and development type work, but then often sell off the properties, just given they don't meet their core criteria of building new mines. And so what they do is they end up with a bunch of royalties typically, and it sort of get lost in the shuffle there. and. They basically sell them off, uh, I would say more or less because they want to raise some money to some extent, but just because it's non-core and they don't want to worry about it. Right. But if you look at the deals that you did before, you mentioned them in Newman, Panamak and Silver and Kinross, you know, there was a different type of structure. They kind of rolled them, they rolled those in, make mm -hmm. up a bit of equity. Yeah. Um, back where that's a 100% cash deal. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Right. Was it ever an option to roll, roll that in or was that, not, again, non-core for them? Yeah, I think both of our preferences. So I think Barrick's preference was cash, and so is ours, actually. You know, our share price is down just like everybody else's in the space, and we have plenty of cash flow uh, rolling in at the minute. Plus, we have a huge credit facility as well. And so we thought that it would be a perfect time to use, use cash instead of issue a lot of shares at such a low price. So it was actually kind of perfect fit for both of us. And frankly, probably one of the competitive advantages we had in terms of approaching Barrick with cash. And I would say a lot of our other sort of junior competitors don't have that, that same advantage. 
Right. Okay. And if you look at that, the mix, that, that basket that you picked up there, there's, there's a lot of exploration, a lot of development. And, and I think there's, um, I think one operate, operating, um, project there. And um, how do, how do you view or value something like that? And more importantly, how, how, how do we, because the thing I look to is either revenue or near term revenue. And by that, I mean, you know, revenue in the next couple of years or so. Do you, how do you say, well, that is a good deal? That is a fair price to pay? Yeah, so we do a bunch of different things. But the main thing is, you know, when do we expect to receive revenue and how much revenue do we receive? And so I think, you know, Skeena, Skeena's uh, SK Creek project, uh, the royalty there, that was clearly the flagship of that portfolio. And so, you know, that alone, if you look at, uh, you know, how much revenue that would generate on a, you know, half percent basis, which what we have now, It'll be about just under 2,000 gold equivalent ounces per year. And so if you look at that in the revenue base, you know, you're talking kind of around three and a half million dollars or so based on today's prices per year once that's up and going. And then you've got the other 21 royalties kind of behind that. And those are a little bit tougher in the sense in terms of timing. So the other three main ones to talk about are basically there are three multi-million ounce gold projects. So there's the 2% royalty on Bullfrog Gold Project in Nevada. Uh, 2% royalty on Laguna Snorte in Peru. And then you've got a 2% royalty on uh, the Sanatura project operated by uh, Samara. And so the good thing about all those is that they're all multi-million ounce gold deposits. Uh, they're all moving forward. Some of them are moving into production. Some of them are moving through the feasibility stages. And some of them are just in the initial stages of doing a preliminary economic assessment. So. You know, those are a little tougher just due to timing. Uh, but the good thing about, you know, gold assets and our ability to withstand time is that we contribute no additional cost. So it's really our time, but it's not necessarily our money going into the ground. And so, you know, we're, we're pretty favorable on that. Okay, well, well, we'll come and talk about your cost of money in, in a second. But again, just sticking with the, the, the portfolio that you, you picked up, um, predominantly Australia, Canada, U.S. There's a, there's a few outliers in Peru, Burkina Faso, and, and, and Chile, etc. Uh, again, the market assesses jurisdictional risk very differently. I think right now, I think obviously there's a lot of economic risk, but there's a jurisdictional component where it feels like you know tier one countries. It's, it's getting harder to define because of permitting, licensing, environmental, and so forth. Does, does that allow you to have a different sort of com- value conversation with with Barrick, or because of their kind of long cycle view of these things, it, it was kind of, well, that's the price. Yeah. I mean, everything's a negotiation, obviously, when we're doing these deals. I think the thing is for us, if you actually look at the the projects that we got involved with in this royalty package, a lot of them have historical mining pedigree. So SK Creek would be a perfect example. That's a past producer. Uh, the, also the one Lagunas Norte uh, is a past producer and actually moving back into production now. And Bullfrog, similarly, was a past producer and in a jurisdiction now that's basically being consolidated by Anglo Gold in Nevada. And so really all all really mining pedigree areas. And that's where we really want to stick as a business, because as you point out, it is getting a lot tougher to permit. Uh, Timelines are extending. The cost is going up. And so I think you really want to be in jurisdictions that, you know, can go through the permitting process successfully. Right. Okay. And um, talking of um, balance sheets, et cetera, et cetera what, what's, what's yours look like in terms of the mix of money that you've, you've borrowed or got on the books or are generating? Yeah. So right now, after the Barrick uh, acquisition, uh, we have about $18 million in cash and about $46 million in debt. So net debt, 
uh, a little bit, but not too much. So very easily to manage. Right. It, it, easy to manage. But if you're going to do another deal like this, you probably need to go and um, you know, draw some credit facility or that. that. Even for you, that's going to be expensive or more expensive in a, in a climate like this. Does that sort of adjust your thinking in terms of being able to take advantage of uh, you know, a situation which may come up? Or do you think actually this is very much a long-term play and therefore the kind of cost capital now may seem out of whack, but it's actually cheap money? I think one of the good things, at least about our situation, is that we have readily accessible cash via a credit facility. So we have a $160 million credit facility and we have almost $120 million remaining of it. And the great thing about that is it's done by the, the four large banks in Canada. And so we're getting rates of LIBOR plus 1.9 to 3%. So I think from that standpoint, you know, we have a solid base in terms of quantum and cost. And then the other aspect is that we're also generating significant free cash flow currently, right? With $50 million of revenue at 90% margins this year. Uh, so substantial cash coming from that. But I think you hit on a good point because, you know, it is relatively recent where rates have gone up a lot, right? And so clearly when we're evaluating new acquisition opportunities, you know, you do have to factor in that higher cost of capital. And I think that's what you are seeing, you know, with a lot of, uh, I would say, acquisitions right now. You know, our desired rate of return has moved up slightly, just given our cost of capital has moved up slightly. So that's what I would anticipate from other players as well. And so it should be no surprise that... Uh, that should match the cost of capital. Right, okay. You're, you're dealing in, in long life of mine uh, projects, so one would hope um, that kind of equals itself out um, over time. Um, but the, the other thing that, that is potentially happening at the moment with um, producers is that their costs have gone up, right? And we've spoken to a few who have said, you know what, um, we, need to, we need to kind of manage this because they, they get pressure, they can squeeze from the top was, um, say, personal metal prices come down, costs are going up, margins are smaller, and they're slightly adjusting their their output plans or certainly their uh, expansion plans on production. So again, does that kind of, you've got to factor that in into what you're um, projecting and guiding the market as well? Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the positives, obviously, with, you know, being, you know, allocated towards gold mines in particular, you know, given that that's really the primary base of a lot of our paying assets. Is the positive side is you know if the gold price goes up you'll get more immediate cash flow, uh, but the side benefit as you point out both positive and negatively if gold price goes up you're very likely to get additional resource expansion maybe throughput expansion but that goes the other way as well on the downturns as well, and so if there's a lower gold price you could see actually the deceleration in terms of timelines, but I think the great thing about you know the royalty business and particularly the way you know we're approaching it is that you're naturally basically counter-cyclical when you're investing. And so, albeit, you know, gold prices are down, but also the prices for royalties are coming down a little bit. So we're seeing a lot of opportunities uh, to deploy money over the long term and get great exposure. So when the next cycle kicks in and gold price starts going up again, we're perfectly exposed to that rising gold price with immediate gold price reaction, resource expansion, maybe throughput, expansion and then maybe some acceleration in some of the projects and so that's exactly what you want to do in these downturns yeah, well that's see that's 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 the exciting bit isn't it right because these are the moments of opportunity because your 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 cash flow should be should be steady because you, you're not affected by the cost you know you know you know putting the cost into these mines you're taking the, the net position on them but 
there are deals, they're cash-constrained companies. I mean, even Abarak is cleaning, cleaning up house a little bit there. Um, do you think, therefore, you should be getting a bit more credit? Because, again, the press given a bit of pressure on your, on your share price, like, like everyone else at the moment. But given it's counter-cyclical, should you be getting, should you be getting credit for that? I would like to think that we'll get credit eventually if we don't get credit now. Because you know, what we are really doing is we are really building a long-term portfolio here. And you know, we're—I can tell you—as a management group and as a board, we're not looking for immediate satisfaction day one. But we're thinking, you know, two years out, three years out, five years out, ten years out, and how are we going to layer this portfolio in to take advantage of what we think will be rising gold prices in the near to medium term? Right. Okay. So, you, okay. So, hopefully, we'll we'll see what you're able to do, or what what, what opportunities um, appear over the next next few months. And you, you've got to have a view again as like. The, it's, I don't want to go too far this way, but your view on the economy, it's been a tricky year. The kind of normal rules don't seem to apply somewhat. Uh, so your, your, your take on how long this pressure will remain on precious metals? I think a lot of it will depend on the central banks around the world. You know, so for the U.S. in particular being, being the big one, uh, you'd have to assume they're going to continue to raise rates for the next little bit. But at some point, that will be un- become untenable, I would suggest. You know, you're starting to see some cracks in the market already. Uh, but more than that, I think people's expectations for the economy, which really, at the end of the day, will probably drive the rates and inflation and so forth, those will start to come down. And once that those come down to a level, they can probably take the foot off the, the gas on rate hikes. And I think that's the perfect time uh, for gold to perform well. So. Hopefully, hopefully in the next six months or so, we'll see we'll see a shift in that behavior. Right. Okay. And I better finish on on, on a, another high, uh, which is continuing to pay dividends. Not that's not affecting um, your shareholders. Then the, the current current market. You can, what what did you forecast? One point two five percent. Yeah. So right now we're uh, paying about a one and a half percent dividend yield based on today's share price and dividend, and we'd expect that. Uh, to be fully sustainable. And as our cash flow continues to grow over the next several years, I would anticipate the dividend per share to grow as well. So I think that's the great thing about about us is you've got you know cash flow coming in the door as an investor and you have the growth built in already to the portfolio, even if we did nothing nothing else on the acquisition side. How do you view M&A, right? We obviously, um, I think recently, Sandstorm Nomad deal, um, some people, Excited, others disappointed because Nomad did not get a chance to fulfill their potential. Um, how would you feel if you got approached on a, on a takeover right now? Yeah, we get that question at, uh, quite a bit, I would say. They ask, you know, how we think about the consolidation and the royalty space. And I think the best answer for us is that we're somewhere in the middle of it all, in a sense, you know, because I do think that, you know, we see ourselves as either the acquirer of some of these smaller companies that aren't basically meeting. Uh, enough cash flow to pay their GNA, and then the, conversely, you know, we could also be a nice tuck-in asset or a group of assets for a larger company in the space. And so, I guess from our point of view, we're completely indifferent which way to go, uh, but we're going to go which way's the better value for our shareholders. You know, we're we're big shareholders ourselves, uh, so we truly care about about the shareholders in terms of the results and the returns they get. So we're going to do whatever we think is best for that. Okay, Ryan. Well, look, um, I'll let you crack on. I know you've, you've got a, a day ahead of you. Um, and we shall speak to you soon. In fact, we are going to speak to you soon. You're going to come on and talk just about contrarian investing in this marketplace in a couple of weeks. So, um, I'll see you then. Sounds good. Look forward to it.